0: Podcast, a weekly coaching clinic that you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome to episode number 66, and I am privileged and honored to have, uh, uh, excuse me, Uh, Coach, I'm so excited to have you on the pod that you you choked me up before I could even mention your name.
1: (laughs) That's maybe after 66 of them, maybe a guy gets deserves to get choked up, I don't know.
0: (laughs) Well, anyway... Scott DeYoung, uh, the girls' basketball coach at Ankeny Centennial High School, is on the podcast this week, and uh, really excited to have him on here. Uh, and of course, we are sponsored by COSAC Chiropractic here in Omaha, 144th and Maple. If you would like to schedule an appointment with them, give them a call at 402-964-0300. Uh, if you got any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail dot com also give us a twitter follow at a pen and a napkin we try to put out daily coaching tidbits on the website there so we're on the the twitter site there so scott how you doing here uh getting ready for snowpocalypse 2021 rolling in here uh school's already been canceled in omaha on sunday night uh but you guys are still a go tomorrow
1: we're still a go so um yeah it's we were hoping 21, 21 was going to be normal, but I don't know. We've had a, we've already had one snow day, and um, yeah, we might have another one. I don't know. I think it's supposed to hit kind of mid morning here and go through the night.
0: Yeah, yeah, we're getting hit early in the morning, and uh, I, I don't think they you know would be anything with getting kids to school. It'd be getting kids home from school and all that other stuff. Right. We're, we're supposed to get close to a to a foot here in Omaha, I guess. So, oh uh, my So my. My kids get the day off from school but uh, the three teenagers will be going out and doing some nice shoveling at some point tomorrow as well so they'll be very excited about that so um, well Scott honored and privileged to have you on here uh, a man of your accomplishments and everything that you've done for the for the good of the game here and um, you know uh, as we pretty much do most of the time here for the for the folks that are unfamiliar with your basketball journey and your basketball career, uh, why don't you go ahead and just tell us how you've uh, ended up at Ankeny Centennial and 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 uh, your your journey thus far in the in the game of basketball?
1: Well, you're making me go back a ways because I think this is like the 27th year or 28th year I've been here. So um, I just happened to look at it today. 37 years of teaching and coaching. So um, been at it for a long time. See a lot of changes. Started at a little school called Nesco.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, we're about 13, 1400 kids in three grades at Ankeny Centennial. And um, the little town of Nesco, up, oh, uh, it's about an hour north of, of Ankeny here, we had 13 kids in the senior class. So um, <laughs> they won't even let a class go like that at our school now. So I tell the kids at Ankeny that, and they're like, what? I go, yeah, that's how it was. So then they combined with Colonesco, um, was fortunate to coach with uh, be an assistant for a really, really good boys coach, Doyle Miller. Um, had some really good teams, some um, teams that went to state tournament, state championship team. Um, and then I got into the girls, um, somehow I think. And, um, we were, had some really good teams there. I just, uh, some r- luck, you know, some, some yeah. real talent. And that was back in the six on six days. So, yeah.
0: um,
1: I think we were there for about nine years and then the job at Ankeny came open and, um, it got us. You know a a little step up to a to a bigger school and just a great great community and um our journey's taken us here the town's really grown i think uh the last i knew like last year seven people a day moved into ankeny and it's been like that for really since we moved here yeah
0: Yeah, and
1: um they added a second high school so we live on the north side and we kind of transferred you know to the to the new high school and i think that was eight years ago so um, as you know, time doesn't sit still; it keeps flying by. So we've had, you know, a lot of great experiences, a lot of great people, a lot of great coaches, players, um, you know, peers, and the list goes on and on. So yeah, it's been a, a real remarkable journey.
0: Well, I think you're you're underselling yourself, and I figured that's what you were going to do. So I wanted to just throw some things out here, and and I know you're going to be embarrassed about this, and I'm glad you're two and a half hours away because I you'd be. Really upset with me if we were sitting in the same room together. Uh, but 650 wins, 20 state tournaments. Uh, you hold the record in the state of Iowa. Seven uh, state championships. And, you know, Iowa, of course, is is not a, a normal state when it comes to women's athletics. Um, they've been crowning state champions in Iowa for basketball for over a century. Uh, the, the oldest uh, continuous high school ath- uh, athletic union for women in the in the country. Uh, you had the four straight state titles in the early 2000s. Your 2005 team finished number two in the country. Uh, 2014 National Coach of the Year. Um, so I'm going to fill in the blanks a little bit here. You're you're much too modest, and I knew you would be. So I was prepared for it to to kind of uh, let folks know what you've really, really done for the game, Scott.
1: Well, oh, I appreciate that. Um... You know, it's, we, we've been very fortunate to have a lot of good players yeah. and, um, the game has changed. Well, the game hasn't changed, but, but some of the things have changed as far as the, um, when my daughter played on the four peat, um, you know, they played together for, you know, for years since yeah. they were like in second grade and, and, um, the parents knew each other. They, they socialized, they were together. Um, it doesn't quite work that way anymore, you know, and when i was at colonesco and um at the beginning of the years at ankeny um we did a lot of stuff in the summer we went to a ton of team camps um Mm -hmm. i can remember going to creighton um now we've missed a year or two in here but back in the 80s that was a four-day camp and um you know there was tons of people there and um it was quite an experience so you know the, the the things have changed some um but some things haven't either. It's still the same game, I think. So yeah, it's it. Like I say, it's it has been a lot of fun, a, lot, a an incredible journey for us.
0: You you bring up an interesting point. You, you know, you, you talk about your your teams and the evolution of the game, and your your daughter was, was part of that big run in the early two thousands. Um, you know how how do you try and and build and, and and kind of in the second half we'll talk a little bit more about culture, but we'll kind of delve into it a little bit right now. Um, you know, how do you build that camaraderie now with, like you said, those girls are playing together since second or third grade. The parents know each other. They're sitting out in the parking lot, hanging out in the summertime in between games and, and, and all of those things. Uh, whereas now it's, it's, you know, these two or three gals might be playing for this club team and this, you know, and, and it's just kind of not the, the same, vibe if you will uh how do you how do you work to kind of overcome that and still have that 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 atmosphere of togetherness
1: well you hit it right on the nose and our our staff was talking about that a little bit here the past days but um you know team building is incredibly hard and um especially today because of that reason um Mm -hmm. everybody sees it a little more from a individual perspective, uh, individual perspective, um, parents, I think, um, versus the bigger picture makes it a little bit harder. But, um, you know, I, I think part of it is how you go about things. We we are very purposeful on our team building, um, even though it's hard. But I think it, you just said it's the biggest thing. You got a couple on this AAU team. You got a couple on that AAU team. Um, you got a couple that play volleyball. You got a couple that play softball. And you know, you feel lucky to get your team together in the off season. you know, mm-hmm. for, for, for a tournament or two where, you know, way back in my career, early career, you know, we might have played, you know, 40 games in the summer, yep. you know, so um, that part of it's changed a lot.
0: Yeah. Well, I think at the at Connie's uh, Creighton camps, I think that's where we probably first met was 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 back there um and you guys you know there was a lot of des moines area teams that came over in late july to play in those and like you said yeah there was you know i one year i think i totaled up we had like 40 or 45 games in the summertime yeah. and no, nobody was playing aau uh it was just all about building our team and now you kind of have i, I want to say divided loyalties or anything like that because i still think for the most part most kids um, put a you know a, a really big emphasis on their high school team, uh, but it's it's kind of it takes a, a little bit longer to kind of figure out your roles. Maybe sometimes you haven't had those reps together. Uh, sometimes Correct. you can't feel like you can do as much uh, within the system that you're trying to build because you don't have as many reps in the summertime. Is is that some some things you've seen as well, Coach?
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, the crate camp was four days. You know, three nights, you were there, four days, that's a lot of family time. I mean, I've heard some stories of, some of the things that happened at the dorms there, and I just I closed my ears because I don't want to hear them. But, you know, the kids had a lot of fun. Some of it was maybe on the borderline, I don't know. But, um, um, you know, yeah, I think you don't have that time just to build that tight bond um, you know, that, that you used to. Uh-huh. You have to be a little more creative in, in some different ways. But I also agree that, you know, for us, the, the high school experience is very important to our kids. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they work really hard. There's a, certainly a ton of opportunities for kids nowadays that, um, you know, to, to do about whatever they want to in, in anything. So uh-huh. it's just not in basketball, just not in sports. Yeah. There's tons of opportunities.
0: What... Uh... You know, we'll just go ahead and dive into the whole culture piece and everything. You know, you talked about building things and being very purposeful because you don't have as much time. Uh, what are some things that you guys do to, uh, to to overcome that lack of time, but still try to build that same camaraderie uh, that that maybe you had with with teams that you had more time to to do that stuff with?
1: Well, I do think the summer camps are still important. You know, even though you don't get as many, so. Um you're you're a Northwest Iowa guy. We've taken our teams up to Okaboji for about a, I think, it's a three day camp up there. We stay on the lake, and uh-huh. um, you know, the, the playing is a small part of that. The, the the stuff we do is is the bigger part. I think the same way as at Creighton, although we haven't been able to get there for for, for a little bit. So mm-hmm. so the the summer thing is one thing. Um, COVID this year has really changed. It made the team building really hard. Uh-huh. Um, You know, we do a lot of team dinners and stuff. That's out of the question this year. uh, You know, we we do other events, um, some fundraising things. Just, you know, the parents do things to make it a special experience, and that's been shut down a little bit. But, um, you know, I just think you just try to have a family atmosphere, just little things, you know, little things of practice, bring them together. Um, You know, your open gyms we've had this year. We were at, I think, at 6 in the morning, getting them up early, getting them there. So just a lot of the – I just think some simple things. Yeah. Um, but yeah. the hard thing is getting them all there, you know, and then yeah. you don't quite have them all there at the season and You throw in a couple new new kids, and then that changes that annex of everything. Yeah,
0: yeah. you know, it just, it just sounds like it's just carving out time, and that's the most important thing you can do to, yes. to build that culture is, you know, you can do all these little – activities and 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 meetings and stuff like that but there's still just no substitute for just we're all together in this place for an extended amount of time and we're gonna learn each other we're gonna learn how we tick we're gonna uh figure out everybody's kind of little quirks and and we're gonna enjoy that and and go from there
1: i think our kids do a good job of celebrating um some of our past players whether they were you know, a, a, a star player or a, or a role player or a scout team player. So I think we have a culture that values every single kid on our team. I think that's important. You know, everybody wants to, to, to be important and feel a part of something. And if you can integrate that bond where, you know, the, the, the you're supposedly best player to uh, a kid that's a role player and they all feel important and part of it, they want to be part of something special, that, that certainly helps too with that, with your culture.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It, it is, It is. you know, that's uh, a lot of times, and especially probably young coaches, um, they probably focus a lot of their attention on the top one or two kids. Uh, what I've noticed is it, it's so important to spend time with players seven through 12 and make them feel valued and make them feel uh, part of it because they're not getting the minutes on a a Friday night. Um, They're doing the dirty work. Uh, You know, if you've got a younger kid, a freshman or a sophomore, that's a, a player 10, 11, or 12, you know, Hey, stay with this. You're going to be up here at some point. You're going to need younger players that are going to work hard with you for you to make you better when you're older. And, and just continually having those conversations and and making those kids feel valued and, and part of the process, even though they're not getting their name in the box score as prominently as other kids.
1: Well, I think that's very true. And I think um, if your team can make them feel valued, then that's more important than getting your name in the in the score box. So. No. Um, you know, girls basketball has a big participation problem. And if, especially on the girls side, if you're not playing as a freshman or sophomore, you don't see a lot of kids that have, you know, keep working and developing. And then when they're junior or senior, all of a sudden they blossom. Now, now we've had some that haven't really played on our varsity as freshmen or sophomores end up being all state players. So, um, you know, you gotta, you gotta start building that. Underneath high, high school, if you want to keep a program solid, just mm-hmm. because of the of the the part participation numbers. Yeah. Um, what, so we try to build down a little bit, you know, into those lower grades. And I know um, they want you to come to practice. And as you well know, we're busy during the winter. You know, <laughs> you teach a full load, and um, our practices we get out, don't get out of school till three forty. We start practice at four. We get home at six six thirty, and mm-hmm. You throw weights in there and, you know, it's a long day. But um, I think for any young coach out there trying to build that down below and um, get them filling a part of that is really, really important because um, the numbers, you know, you got, you got to have some numbers to be able to have a program.
0: Why, why do you think uh, basketball does struggle with, with those numbers sometimes on the girls' side? Well,
1: well they rely, it's a lot of hard work. Yeah. It's a lot of hard work I, 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 and it's I, I, multiple skill I agree with you. Um, you're doing so many, you gotta dribble with your left hand, you gotta dribble with your right hand, you gotta be able to pass on the move, you gotta catch it on the move, you gotta have footwork. Then we haven't even talked about shooting the ball and you know, and then the defense apart and then the physicality of it. So you just can't get by with a skill or two, you no. know. So and and nothing against the other sports, but it's just multi skilled. And it takes a certain athlete to play at a high level, mm-hmm. and um, you know if you don't if you start late, um, I think you could still be a great player, but you're behind, and um, a lot of kids don't want to take that time to try to catch up. Although I think some kids could catch up really, really quickly if they if they started late in basketball. Um, so I think it's 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 a very it's a big concern because I think all through. At least Iowa, I'm sure Nebraska is the same way. Um, you know, we have less than 25 kids out in, in, in our ninth through twelfth grade, and we've had a really, really good program here over the last eight years. So,
0: uh-huh.
1: yeah, it's it's concerning.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I think the thing that we battle here in, in our area is is the club sports, and 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 Nebraska, of course, um, with their tradition in in women's volleyball. Um, you know, it's 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 so emphasized, and 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 kids, you know, and, and and I think in Iowa, it's 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 different again because of the history of of, of Iowa and the history of girls basketball in Iowa, um, you know, and I feel like in, in Nebraska, it's it's kind of fighting the the volleyball thing, and oh, in, the Omaha, in the Omaha area, um, you know, we just have so many opportunities to play uh, volleyball. In the in the off season, and there's such an emphasis on that, and and I know that's kind of one of the biggest battles that we fight here in in our area, anyway. So, um, and I and I think that's probably creeping it over across the Missouri River as well.
1: Oh yes, yep, yeah. it is. And you know they're they're volleyball off the the, the season. It's not like the youth season mm-hmm. isn't during the volleyball season. It's mm-hmm. during the winter basketball season, which it's makes it you know that much more difficult. So
0: yep, yep, absolutely. So well, let's uh let's let's talk about that kind of we we've brought up the history of Iowa, and i'm I'm guessing a lot of our listeners are unfamiliar with the history of Iowa girls basketball. Now you and I are both Iowa guys. Um, so we're very familiar with it. Um as I said, uh 1920 was the first state champion. Uh six on six was the game for the better part of well let's see it was about what eighty four or eighty five when the big schools went five on five, coach.
1: I think so. Right yes. around there.
0: Um and that was <laughs> <laughs> oh you you'd have thought the uh, the sky was falling in a in a lot of places. Um I, I, I distinctly remember that uh but uh one class one state champion so think Hickory Huskers of of Hoosiers fame um you know I remember you know 82 you'd have like Esterville against West Des Moines Valley or the Lynn Lorenzen Ventura teams playing against the big schools in the state championship games and stuff like that um uh, what was that tr- transition like for you as a coach to go from the six-on-six game uh and for those you know for you don't know and if i miss any of the details here coach feel free to fill it in here uh six on six three on three on three on each side of the court uh girls only got two dribbles um you know uh you couldn't reach in uh on the ball if it was outside the lane uh if the girl had the ball it was an automatic foul even if you got all ball um i'm trying to think of some of the other quirky rules that were with it uh the referees would take it out of the net and kind of chuck it down to their partner. And, uh, you would yeah. take it out at half court every time. Um, what else am I miss- missing, coach?
1: Well, you got a lot of it there. Um, you know what, one thing you miss is that a lot of times the scores are in the eighties, nineties or hundreds because, oh, yeah. um, you know, there's only three defenders. So, but you know, now if we play some four on four shell defense alone, three on three, it's like, okay, there's no defense here. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> You know, when you only got three people out there, it's, uh, you know, it was a lot of flair. It was a lot of uh, pageantry. Uh Um, Ewayne Pooley, the, you know, the the director, the operator of the whole show, he he was a showman and, um, you know, was way ahead of his time and marketing and and so on. But, yeah, the Iowa girl back, you know, in the 70s and and 80s when I started coaching, um, you know, they were very fortunate there was no other, you know, event like that.
0: No, uh, the uh, the young men in the tuxedos sweeping the floor at the halftime of the state championship game. I remember that was a big deal. Um, and yeah, we like we had a, uh, a a girl in my 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 senior year of high school was the last year we played six on six at my high school, and uh, we had a girl that averaged about thirty five a game. And you were like, yeah, yeah, you know, she's okay. You know, right. I know, I know, <laughs> you, you know, if you had a girl that averaged thirty-five today, you'd be like, "Oh, geez," you know. Uh, every school be in the country would be be beaten down her door, and uh, well, but
1: it, it was an awesome game in its time. Yes. Um, you know you we would never go back there because you see what the girls could do now and it's, it's really amazing but and it's time you know small town iowa that during the state tournament week they were empty everybody was watching everybody you know
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: the whole storefronts were painted up and you know it, it was you know it, the girls were truly the, the centerpiece of that week they were that was the highlight that was what people worked for Mm um you know it was really a special time in girls sports i think
0: yeah so what was the you know how how many years did you coach six on six
1: i'd have to i think five
0: okay i believe five and what was that adjustment like going from the six on six to the five on five
1: well i'd coach boys you know Mm -hmm. when i at the beginning of my career so really i would say that it wasn't that big of an adjustment for me you know and um you know, people still ask me. Well, is it a lot of different coaching girls? And I said, no, I don't think it's really any different coaching boys or girls. I coach both. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think girls tend to do a little more exactly what you want. They don't want to let you down. They don't want to disappoint you. The guys probably could care a little less on that end of things. But um, you know, I don't think it was it was that difficult to yeah. be real honest.
0: Was was Ankeny? Five on five before yes you got it.
1: they were five on five yeah. they had just started yes
0: okay gotcha so you step in at Ankeny and you take over for a legendary coach not only in basketball but in softball and Dick Rasmussen uh, but but you had you had earned your stripes at at Colonesco and and you came in you had to feel confident about yourself but at the same time uh, you know you're you're replacing a guy that won multiple state championships at uh, in in multiple sports. Um, you know what was that kind of stepping in for the into the shoes of a legend there at Ankeny High?
1: Well, I was probably pretty naive at, back at the time. You know, <laughs> I, I probably didn't even know really what I was getting into, and um, to have a program. You know, at Colonesco, we had a group go through. I wasn't didn't even know what a program was. You know, <laughs> in a small town like yeah. that. It was you know the parents got teams up to play. Maybe anyway, yeah. I, you know the the thing that made it easy. Dick Rasmussen is a a wonderful human being. Mm -hmm. Um, He is very, and still is, he's very supportive. He wants you to do well. He's happy when you do well. Um, You know, he's interested. So, um, you know, to have somebody that wants to see things continue, um, is supportive in the good and bad times, um, you know, made that a a, a lot, lot easier. Um, So, you know, um, we went about our... Way of doing things and kind of evolved through and um, probably came at a good time whenever they went from the six on six to the five on five. That was a transition period, which, you know, I think for myself made it a lot easier to step in.
0: Yeah. Um, and then, you know, you, like I said, you, you, you go on this uh, tremendous run at Ankeny High, 20 years, uh, however many titles and really good teams. And uh, as I was doing research, uh, you know, you, you had the the, the Weebin or the Wibben girl that went to Iowa State. And, you know, just so, you, I mean, you, you had just a, a tremendous group of kids. But then, as you said, you know, Ankeny was, is this growing suburb just north of Des Moines. Um, it's a beautiful bedroom community. Um, and they decided to build the second high school. Um, I imagine that had to be uh, a tough, tough decision for you uh, to leave Ankeny High and, and move on to the new school. Um, you know, what was that process like going through that for you?
1: Well, it, it was a process, and that probably made it a little bit easier because it was drawn out over, uh, you know, a handful of years. So, yeah. Um, But, yeah, we um, we had so many memories and still do at Ankeny High School. My, my two daughters both played there, um, you know, just tons of, tons of memories. And, um, I think for some of us, you know, Ankeny was never going to, it was not going to be the same regardless whether I stayed or whether we left.
0: So, mm-hmm.
1: um, you know, my, we lived on the North side and my son was going to be going to the North side and, um, you know, our whole staff kind of went over, um, along. So, um, yeah, it wasn't a lot of fun always to do that, but, um, you know, looking back, on it, uh, we do have two high schools now. Ankeny has been very, very successful. Sure. We've had a lot of success. Um, you know, our schools are now about the size, probably a little bigger than the size when we when we split. So, um, a lot of kids are getting opportunities that wouldn't have otherwise.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: all in all, it was um, it's probably worked out for the best.
0: You, you talked about your staff, and and one of the things that I read uh, was that you've you've had largely. Uh, the state is the same staff with you for pretty much the duration of your your run there in Ankeny. You know, you know if you want to take a couple minutes and talk about your your assistant coaches, the importance of having a a loyal and and stable and consistent coaching staff, and and you know what you've done to to keep uh these folks in in the stable there at in in Ankeny and and you know they haven't really uh you know perhaps had the wandering eye to go and maybe do their own thing and build their own program somewhere else you know just 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 how how important has that been to the run of success that you've had there over the last 25 27 years or so
1: well it's critical I mean you know you don't have the turnover you're not you know so coach uh Denny Albertson was here when I got here um Boy, I believe he's over 45 years now. He's re- he's retired for, I think, about 10 years now, but still volunteering. Took this year off because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's been with me since I've been here. And um, just, uh, you know, I, I can't go on how huge of an asset he's been. Mm-hmm. Um, we miss him this year, and he, I think he's planning on coming back next year. So mm-hmm. to have somebody that's got the experiences – of you know 45 years um you know is you you just can't state how valuable that is um another one of the staff um dave wrenchie who's just an outstanding coach he's a he's a good technician he's you know can break down a tape he's you know great with the kids and i think he's been with me for for 20 years so um you know those are the two main people and um you know, we've had other coaches that have stayed with us for a long time, too. And, um, you know, it just gives you that stability um, that you know what you're going to get. And you got a way of doing things. And it's, it's a, just a, a smooth teamwork that we've been able to do that. So I think that's been a huge, huge asset to our program here mm-hmm. um, since I've been at Ankeny.
0: What... Uh... You know, how do you kind of divide things up with with your with your coaches? Let's say let's say Coach Albertson is 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 there. There's there's no uh, worldwide pandemic or whatever. You know, what are some some of the things that those guys are able to take off of your plate that makes your job a little bit easier? And and how did you guys kind of come come about that?
1: Well, things you know, um, every year the ante gets stopped with time. Mm-hmm. Um, you now, and you think it can't happen, but then you know. John, you know, you got to keep up. You know, so the the time is a is a huge thing. Um, the scouting is a big issue. Used to, we were all over the state scouting. Now, all of our games, every single game that you know we want to watch is on on huddle. That's what we have. So, mm-hmm. um, Coach Runchy is works with our post players. I typically take the perimeter players um, when we do individual type of stuff. So, um, and then. Coach Renci really works hard with the scout team. He's got the other team down to you know exactly what they're going to do, um, which you know gets us really really well prepared. And then you know that all three of us would be operating practice. Mm-hmm. The last several years, Coach Albertson's more of a you know he, he's a it, it's hard to put your thumb on it. He's <laughs> it's a it's a motivator uh, saying something at the right time uh, can being being you know, very discipline oriented with the kids and then being a teddy bear with them at the same time. And, um, that's a really, really hard thing to do, but, um, coach Albert's able to do that. He can, he can look him in the eye and be stern. And, um, the next thing, you know, they're walking, you know, arm in arm and, um, just got that kind of relationship. So, um, I think we got a very, div- it's a lot of diversity that ends up, um, you know, being very, very effective.
0: Well, it's so important to have those different personalities on your staff, and uh, you know, and and we'll we'll bring up Coach Meyer here in, in a little bit. But you know, he used to say he would use the biblical terms, and I forget which which biblical characters he would talk about. But I know there was a there was a Paul in there, there was a Barnabas in there, and 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 just to have those different type of roles with your coaches and have those different personalities, because obviously, as you well know not every kid has the same personality and can't be motivated the same way. And, 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 you know, a kid that might, you might be able to reach a little bit easier. Uh, there's another kid that, that you can't and, and you need somebody to, to find those magic words or the magic tone with that player to, to get them to where you want them to go.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree hundred percent that, um, you know, there's a lot of ways to do things. There's a lot of personalities and, um, I think the best strength of our our staff, like we, we know each other, and, um, you know, they probably know what I'm going to do. they're I know what they're going to do, and it's just um, you know, it ends up being a pretty well oiled machine um, when you've done it as long as we have.
0: Do, do you feel like sometimes it would be good, uh, or, or I, I don't want to say good, uh, but you know, do do you worry about maybe getting uh, too uh, homogeneous with your ideas—that maybe some some outside thought—or or how do you balance that? We want to keep this kind of going in this direction, but at the same time, we got to kind of keep our eye out for. Well, oh, maybe we should try and take a look at things this way or that way or the other way.
1: You mean do you think we're too old school?
0: <laughs> Not old school. Not old school. I'm, hey, I'm old school I'm too. Uh, you know, I'm give, give me a kidding. good baseball game at Wrigley Field or Fenway Park above one of these new places. That's that's where I want to watch a ball game. So. Uh, well, uh, yeah, you, I you've got a great point. I mean, you, you want to
1: stay invigorated. You want to stay, um, y- you know, current. At the same time, you want to do things that you know how to do yep. and yep. Um, things that you're very comfortable with. So um, I think some things in our program have not changed one iota since the first day I got here.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, some things have changed immensely. Mm-hmm. So I, I think we have evolved with the times, and uh, we've kept our traditions—the things that have made us our program. I think a staple. We've we've tried to stay with, maybe tweaked a little bit. So, um, you know, we do have a new young gal on our staff. Played at one of our competitors, um, Johnson High School. Um, she's a young kid at just, well, actually, still finishing up her college work, and that's been that's been really good um, having a young female on our staff. So, um, you know, I think. I think there's a lot of truth to what you say, and I think we've done a, I'm not going to say an awesome job, but an okay job of um, trying to stay up and, and mm-hmm. current with what we have to do to keep our program competitive.
0: And, and I think that's a fine line with any coach, um, especially um, older guys, you know, we'll, we'll just say uh, elder statesmen like you and yeah, I, that they, have oh, been around a little sure. bit, um, you know, you, you, you have your beliefs, you have your philosophies. But you also, uh, the game has changed a ton even in the last five to seven years. Um, and the way that the players want to play the game and try to play the game has changed, uh, you know, especially on the offensive end with the with the three-point shot and the analytics. But yet, you know, uh, there's still a desire, you know, man, it'd be nice to have a 6-1 or 6-2 post player to put on the block and let's just, you know, feed the ball down there and, and do those type of things. Uh, so... Uh, but you have a lot of six one kids that now want to hang out around the three- point line because that's what they see on TV and that type of thing. you know So it, it's, it is a constant evolution with things and, and trying yes. to figure that out and, and do what's best within the, the confines of your team as well.
1: Well, there's information overload out there. Oh, I mean geez. especially during COVID, I mean you could watch a clinic and they're just there's just so voluminous amount of information. You know, and sometimes it's like, you know, you, you you absorb it all and then at the end you go back to what, you know, you know works. So <laughs> I, any young coach out there, I would say, you know, you you, you you need to search it out, but then you need to sort through and um, do what you think you're comfortable with. There's a lot of different styles of playing. We still do, you know… Uh, We take our talent, our offense evolves all the time. I mean, we are way different this year than we have been because of the talent we have. Um, After this year, we're not going to have much size for a while, and we'll probably play differently Mm -hmm. on on offense. So I think, you know, we're not recruiting in high school, so we take what we get, and we try to make that work. So um, I think the evolution in the high school level is, at least from most programs, is trying to Fit your talent, um, taking your talent and try to fit some scheme that they can be successful with.
0: Yeah. I, I think the benefit that uh, you and I have, um, and many of the, the, the coaches, again, who, again, we'll, we'll just call ourselves elder statesmen, um, you know, now when we look at something new, we have a good idea of whether that really, truly fits my uh, um, vision for the game. And, and I think sometimes when you're younger, you're like, oh, that's a good idea. Oh, that's a good idea. I got to bring that in. Oh, I need to do that. And all of a sudden, you're doing so much that you're not really doing anything. And um, I, I found myself uh, over the last four years or so just saying, you know, this is what I want the game to look like. This is, what I, this is where my philosophy fits, you know, depending on our personnel. And I'm going to move right past this because I know... You know, it might be a great idea for somebody, but it doesn't work for me. And and I think you learn that through experience as well.
1: Well, I can remember, now this will age me too, but Jerry Tarkany and I remember at a clinic, Wackenway, I used to go to those, <laughs> and he was, said it pretty colorfully, I'm sure, but, you know, don't change just because it's not working, you know, because if we changed every time something didn't work for us, we would be changing all the time. um you know, you you try to find the little things that you can make it a little bit better, and you know, you keep grinding away. And at the end of the season, you get done with your journey. Look back and say, you know, geez, you know, we really improved a lot. So, um, you know, like I said, there's a lot of ways to do things, and um, you know, you you try to pick something that you you feel good about, that you're comfortable with, and then you just you, you roll it out and keep keep riding with
0: it. Yep. Yeah. Well, we. uh We will get to how you do things here in just a second, Coach DeYoung. But before we do that, we want to take the opportunity to uh, talk about teachhoops.com. Want to have the opportunity to have a hands-on mentor to help you hone your craft as a basketball coach? Look no further than teachhoops.com, a place where coaches go to get better. Coach Steve Collins out of Madison, Wisconsin, shares his three decades of coaching knowledge with his subscribers through resources like podcasts, one-on-one mentoring sessions, and much more with teachhoops.com. Go to tchoops.com backslash APAAN, that's a pen and a napkin, where subscriptions start at $34.99 a month. When you sign up, you get a 14 day free trial. So combine tchoops.com with a pen and a napkin to help make you the best coach that you can be. Uh, coach, around this time, we, uh, we go to our Don Meyer quote of the day and, um, I've got one ready to go here for you, and, and as I tell all my guests, uh, feel free to comment on it if you would like after I run through it here. Um, so, and this is this is a tongue twister here. I don't know why I picked this, um, but I liked it, so forgive me if I stumble over myself again here. The Don Meyer quote of the day is, proper prior planning prevents pitiful poor performance. I had to slow it down, but I got it out yeah, in, I, in an eloquent manner there. So uh, any thoughts on that, Coach?
1: Well, yeah. I i mean, I, I can't repeat that because I can't remember it. My <laughs> mind's not sharp. But I, I do know that you need to be prepared. Yeah. And, um, you know, we prepare, you know, really, really hard um, through a lot of things, through practice, through scatter reports. Um, so I think that's, that, that's you know. Um, and we tell the kids that, you know, in this day and age, they can do a lot of preparation that's on the basketball floor. So, yeah, I totally, I totally agree with that. Um, you know, a little bit of planning ahead of time is going to really help your product when you put it on the, uh, in competition.
0: Yep, absolutely. Well, speaking of preparation and, and the way that you do things, obviously with the runs that you've made, uh, they say that defense wins championships, and you are, you know, perhaps most well-known for, uh, if, if there's one thing that, that uh, you would hang your hat on, it's your defensive philosophy and the way that you guys have, have done things there uh, just north of Des Moines for a long time here. Uh, you know, Scott, just, just kind of talk to us about your, your, your defensive philosophy, uh, what you do, kind of the thought process behind it, um and and maybe as we go through it, we'll talk about maybe how you teach it, the things that you emphasize, maybe some drills that you run uh, to to put your teams in the best place possible on the defensive end uh, to to put together wins uh, for for your program.
1: Well, we do things a certain way on defense. I mean, and I would tell any of your you know perspective coaches out there. There's a lot of ways you could do it. We're a strictly a man-to-man team. Um, I can't remember the last time we played a zone, to mm-hmm. be honest. I, I mean, it's been a long, long time ago now. We've practiced it. Um, this year we have not, but um, we probably will here before the end of the season, but we've practiced it. But our man-to-man defense is typically so solid that we've never had a reason to use it. Mm-hmm. So, Um, you know, that's what we do. We we drill it, we, you know, spend a lot of time in practice working on the skills, the fundamentals. We like to we like to be um a pressure and a little up tempo defensive team. We're not as much this year, um, because of our personnel, but um you know we you know, like I say, we don't we're we're not our we don't want our kids to to break down our defense. That's an important thing to us. So my Mm. Personal feeling is is that the the other team will barely score if your team doesn't break down on defense. know mm-hmm. we play against some of the you know in Central Iowa we've had some really really talented players and um, you know we played eight times against Caitlin Clark who's now lit, lighting up the um, the, the Big universe. Ten and the, and the country. But we've had we had some really good games with her. Now she scored a lot of points. Um, but um, we thought we held her in check, at least at least as well as some of the college teams have, I might say, <laughs> in the '30s. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we, we break it down. We work on the little parts, and we drill it, and we drill it, and we keep we keep doing it. You know, mm-hmm. so um, yeah, that's that's our that's our defense. We we're strictly uh, a player to player, a man to man defensive team.
0: What's uh, do you have kind of a you know, let's let's go back to the first day of practice, and you're building up to to get ready for for game number one. Um, I, I'm sure you guys kind of have a progression of things of, of how you implement it. Um, could you possibly go through that with us a little bit?
1: Well, the first thing we have to do is break all the bad habits they've got from the summer. <laughs> so, and I I mean,
0: you're saying there's so, bad habits that are created during the AAU season, coach.
1: Yes, I am. um, And that takes a a little bit of time because um, our kids know, well, because of the tradition we have, they know if they want on the floor that they have to commit to playing on the defensive end. And I think something that's pretty simple that we do, like we don't give in if there's a long possession. We're going to keep defending and keep defending, and we're not going to give up an easy basket unless we have a major breakdown. So, you know, we're working at, you know, simple things like, you know, closeouts. We work on those almost daily. I mean, maybe pretty simple thing, but um, the way kids can shoot and drive the ball, if you can't close out on defense, you know, mm-hmm. you're in a lot of trouble. And um, we jump to the ball. We block cutters. We, we hedge the screens. And we have basically any offensive movement that we might see, we start breaking that down. Um, the first day of practice and we continue on that and you know until our season's over Mm -hmm. so i i just think that um we've been blessed to have some really good on-ball defenders and the way we play and the way the um the game is now especially in central iowa with people that can take the ball to basket you better have some really really good kids on the ball and um you know, we have kids that commit off the ball and then play really hard off the ball, and I think that combination has led us to to have really good defensive teams.
0: Do you kind of start it with like a one-on-one and then go from one-on-one to, to two-on-two and then to three-on-three and and kind of build it in, in that regard? Yes. Yeah. I would
1: say two-on-two two and some three-on-three. Three. We do four-on-four shell daily, you mm-hmm. know, and we do that every day. Um, you know, we have some games in, in that full-on four-shell stuff that we do. And then, you know, once we get to this time of the year, the scoutings really, really important, um,
0: you know, and we
1: don't switch on defense. Um, so we try to match up our defensive players with the other team's offensive players, and, um, you know, we give them a scouting report that hopefully they know that player really well, and we think those little things, you know, help make a difference.
0: Um. I got a bunch of questions rolling through my head, and I forgot to bring a pen in the room with me here. So, um, uh, I'm going to go with this. Uh, and and I had so many questions, I forgot the one I was going to ask. Oh, um, we talked. You talked about closeouts. Um, is it is it you, you guys are are you are you forcing middle? Are you forcing baseline? Are you playing it straight up a little bit more of a pack line? Uh, does it change on the scout? What's kind of your philosophy on your closeouts and and what may be the reasoning why uh, you go in that direction? Well,
1: we we try to discourage anything to the middle of the floor. Um, used to, we really, really forced the ball to the baseline. I don't think we do that quite as much anymore because kids can really, you know probably go by you and get to the basket, but we, we discourage anything to the middle of the floor. Um, you know, we'd adjust that a little bit to our playing, but, um, you know, most kids don't want to put their hands up when they, when they close out, they keep their hands down. The way kids can shoot, you better get your hands up. You better be to move your feet. Um, so when we close out, we do not want to give a hard drive to the middle of the floor.
0: No. Mm hmm. Um, Dang it! I had like three. I was grabbing my pen and then I forgot the other question I had for we you. We have several
1: closeout drills we do. Okay. Um, you know, so now we have them. They lead into you know some three on three where where we get multiple closeouts and um, we like the drills where we can get you know multiple skills in one drill, especially this time of the year when you cut your practice down.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so we, we tend to to favor those drills a little bit.
0: I remember what the question was. Do you feel sometimes, uh, and obviously you're comfortable with, with what you do and how you do it, uh, I'm guessing you guys spend a lot of time with this in practice. Uh, do you feel like uh, you, you you're, you're, you're fall, I don't want to say fall behind, but the offense gives, uh, you're giving time from your offensive development to your defensive team development. Um, do you... Uh, uh how do you how do you kind of balance those those two things out uh during your practice and one of the other things we're going to talk about is your is your practice setup as well so we're like this is kind of a nice uh uh flow into that topic as well you know how do you keep that balance where yeah we want to be defensive minded we want to uh we really want to attack the ball we really want to close out well so forth and so on but also obviously you know, the goal of the game is to, to put the ball in the basket more times than the other guy as well. Uh, you know, how do you keep that balance as you're putting together your practice plans and, and developing your overall scheme and your and your overall plan for your for your offensive side of the ball as well?
1: Well, I don't think you can be great at everything. So, you know, to be, uh, if we had a great offensive team and a great defensive team, we'd have a ton of talent, and um, which would be good. So, Um, the last several years we have not had the most talented teams in our in our area and um, we played a slower pace of offense and I've learned way back in coaching if you play great defense you don't turn the ball over and you work for a good shot you're going to be in almost you're going to be competitive even against the teams that are probably better than you Mm -hmm. Um, so we were you know yeah we were a little simpler on offense. We worked the ball around more. It probably wasn't the funnest game, but, um, you know, we won some state championship games by scoring in the forties and holding other teams in the thirties. And at the end, there's still state championships.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> now, now this year, we're way more up tempo. We just have a different team and we're, we're getting up way more shots. Um, but we're still defending, I think really well. There's just way more possessions in the game. So, um, we, our schedule has been a little weaker here, but when we start playing these better teams, they're going to score more points just because there's more possessions. So, um, some of the years we've led the state in defense. Um, we didn't have a great team, but we could really really defend, and you know we worked the ball around until we got a really good shot, and that uh, maybe is part of defense too.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I, 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 you know, what's the, what's the old saying? Uh, a, a bad a bad shot is the first outlet pass and transition or is the outlet pass uh, for, for transition. And, and, and when you, um, when you, when you take bad shots, you know, that just makes it that much harder to defend. Um, I know my kids are getting tired, uh, of me saying hey get the shot we want get the shot we want not not the shot that the defense wants us to take get the shot that we want uh on every single possession especially with in the absence you know in both of our states uh there's no shot clock so why not be patient and get the shot right. well, on possession
1: yeah that's not how it is anymore so and you know it's fun to play up tempo we're you know, if you got the team to do it, and you know you can handle the ball and get it moving and put the ball in the basket, that's fun to watch.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I, and I think that's uh, the the vast majority of coaches and 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 players and parents, you know, and everybody involved. They they uh, they want to see that go up and down. But as you all know, coach, you know, our first job is to put the the kids and the team in the best position that we can to get that win that evening at, at the at the varsity level especially. You know, that's 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 our number one responsibility. And um, sometimes the uh, the aesthetics uh, of it are, are not as as beautiful as what one <laughs> may like, but right. they don't ask for a description, they ask for a result at the end of the day. Right. Very true. Yeah. So let's let's get into your your, your practice setup. Uh, coach, you know, uh, that's one of the things that you said you'd be willing to talk about. Kind of what what does a, a typical Scott DM practice look like there at Ankeny Centennial?
1: Well, we have, um, you know, we pro- we, we've we we gone to do an individual improvement, and um, we would do that at the beginning or the end of practice, depending. This year we've done a little more at the end of practice. We would take 15 to 20 minutes, or a little more than that early in the year, and we break up our our guards and our you know we still kind of work with post players believe Mm -hmm. it or not um and we have a coach that works with them on their skills we do a lot of shooting we do a lot of ball handling um, we break down our offense um based upon position Mm -hmm. and um when you have we don't unfortunately you don't get a ton of multiple sport athletes anymore Um, but when you do the ones you have are usually pretty good athletes and, and spending that time with them you really, really see improvement. So we think that's a big part of what we do. Um, we would start out with practice with probably some sort of, a, you know, a team drill. We do so. We do this year. We have done a lot of transition offense and defense. We would probably have, you know, a good twenty or thirty minutes of um, of defensive stuff. Some various drills we do and rebounding, and then um, you know, some offense um, up and down the floor. We don't hardly ever. We never put eight minutes on the clock in scrimmage. I don't mm-hmm. think I've ever done that. Yeah. So we have, you know, a little more um, purposeful. You know, up and down the floor. You know, three possessions, four possessions, um, and then we'd work on some, you know, special stuff, special situations. So, mm-hmm. um, kind of a real brief outline of how our practice works.
0: What uh, What are some things that you do uh, different? different ideas that you do for like controlled scrimmages? Um, like you said, you know, we're, we're not just going to put up a clock, uh, put up a eight minutes on the clock and go, eh, here we go. Let's, let's just, you know, let it rip for a little while here and let's see what happens. Uh, you know, what are, what are some different concepts, uh, maybe some two or three different controlled scrimmage drills that, that you guys do to uh, address both sides of the basketball? Well, we, um, you
1: know, working on our transition game, we'll, do a blockout drill, and, um, you know, then we'll transition offense, we'll transition defense. We have a couple other transition drills that we've done um, this year. Uh, one that the kids like, it's different. We'll tip the ball off the basket. We'll, we'll keep tipping, 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 and then um, we'll say outlet it. Whoever, let's say the white team has it, they'll outlet it. Then, boom, we're down transition offense and defense. Um, just two trips. Um, we do a, little, a lot of off offense, defense, offense, we'll run a set, then we'll go transition defense, then we'll come back on offense. And mm-hmm. that would be probably the most, you know, of an actual scrimmage situation that we get, those three trips. Um, once in a while, we'll go five trips, and then we stop. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so some, a little more focused or specialized type of, of situations like that we do. We We would work on our press offense the same way. We'll, you know... So, you know, we break all those things down, um, you know, and work on them very specifically.
0: And and with, with the coaches that you have there at practice, do you kind of, uh, hey, uh, Coach Fred, you've got the white team. Coach Pete, you've got the black team. I'm going to watch kind of the overall, uh, you know, uh, how do you divvy up those responsibilities? Do you kind of lock in on – on uh, one thing or I'm sure part of it is just the the situation what you feel like your team needs to work on uh during that time period as well uh how how are how are you know is that kind of what you guys do as well?
1: Well one of my coaches ha we we pretty much operate with the scout team um, you know we have some boys that practice with us and um you know he's he runs the scout team he'll gets them running the offense that the other team that we see or we maybe are working on some specific situation. Um, and then I usually, you know, I'm, I'm working with those top, you know, five or six kids this year. We're pretty deep. We play, you know, eight, nine kids. So it takes a longer to rotate them all in. Um, so we, once the season gets going, after we get a, a month in the season or so, we pretty much operate with a, with a scout team and our, and our, our regulars that play. Um that's that's important to us. We break that up. Um, we have some kids that you know, have graduated that were big leaders of our scout team and um, you know, relished the role and um worked really hard with it and knew that they were very, very important part of our program in doing that.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um about this time of year you're you're probably starting to gear things down a bit uh you're you're probably you know what's what's kind of your philosophy for uh reading your team and and your practice times and you know how much do you evolve typically over over the the season we're kind of getting to uh obviously it's late January uh are you going less contact uh at this time period um not as many not as much physicality in practice uh you know how do you guys gauge that
1: no, we've never done anything like that with physicality. I mean, we, if, we're, if we practice, we practice hard. We don't, we don't limit contact at all, but we'll cut our time down.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, um, you know, that's how we would, we would do that. Now, you know, um, whenever we won the four state championships in a row, I don't think we ever practiced. We, only, we went five days a week unless we had a Saturday game, which we did periodically have a Saturday game. Um, you know, we never practiced on the weekend. Um, you know, now we do practice on the weekend a little bit. We think we need two days to get ready for a Tuesday game. I don't know why, but, um, but we do. So I think keeping kids fresh mentally and physically is really important. Um, you know, we were in a hybrid mode until about a week ago where kids were at school two days or three days a week. Now we're there every day. Um, a little concerned about that as we move down, you know, towards the stretch of the season. So we'll be cutting our practices down to quite a bit, but but we don't let up on the physicality or the intensity of our practices.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. My um, um,
1: feeling is if we're going to bring them in, we're going to get something done. Otherwise, we would just call out practice.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, one other thing I wanted to talk to you about, and uh, one of the things I read about you, and just kind of your overall demeanor. Uh, as a coach, I, I, I believe it was Coach Albertson. Uh, I read an article from the Register when you when you got your 600th win, and one of the things he, he talked about was your your positivity uh, that that you stayed uh, really positive most of the time. Uh, how do you, how do you keep that mindset? Um, and you know, every once in a while, every team's going to have their struggles. You're going to have your your things that you need to work through. Um, is that something that you feel like maybe you're kind of I don't know born with it's a little bit genetic it's 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 a it's a little bit of uh it's a learned behavior uh and and what do you do to keep things positive and keep things moving forward in that regard
1: well i think it's a really fine line because the discipline is really important so um our our practices and our kids are pretty disciplined we demand that they do things a certain way but at the same time you try to you know build them up and um, especially at this time of the year is the time where they really need to be built up so um you know i think we're we're a high energy type of practices um you know we're we're enthusiastic and um that rubs off on the team but i'm not going to sit here and say that you know it's all hunky dory because no. i don't think we can be successful that way so um but I think we—I think it goes back to your culture that the, you know, the kids know we care about them. Um, they want to be successful. That's why they're out for a sport, and they know it takes a lot of hard work, a lot of discipline and dedication. And, um, you know, we, we push them hard in that area. Um, but I think, you know, if they know you care about them and um, you give them a pat on the back when they do something well, then I think, you know, they're going to work really hard for you, and that's what we've tried to do.
0: Absolutely. I, uh, what's the old saying? Uh, you can't. I'm gonna sound like George W. Bush here. I'm gonna butcher this. Uh, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. I, I didn't get go. that right.
1: Yes, I think you did. That's. I'm impressed.
0: <laughs> well, we could
1: we could use a little George W. Bush, a little that folks, folksy type of of talk.
0: <laughs> <laughs> as long as they don't misunderestimate me. You know, so. right. <laughs> what What are the great, uh, between Dana Carvey and Will Ferrell, uh, two, two of the legendary, uh, Saturday night live political characters of all time. So, yes. uh, so, well, coach, I can't thank you enough for coming on here tonight. It's, it's been a great conversation. I've heard, I hope you've, uh, enjoyed your time on the podcast. Yes,
1: it was fun. I, I appreciate you doing this, building the game. Um, you know, so I think it's, I think it's awesome. There's, certainly a lot of young girls out there that that want to be basketball players there's a lot of people that are great people that are working with them and um it's a great game it's uh, you you get a lot out of it and you know it's not really the final destination it's the journey and um i think we do need to enjoy every step of our journey and we look back we'll think hey you know that was a great game
0: yeah absolutely absolutely well it 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 has been uh 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 a great evening here chatting hoops with you. And, and there's been a lot of really good things that have, that have been put together here tonight and and your philosophy and everything speaks for itself. And, and I just want to thank you for, for coming on here and and sharing your wisdom and knowledge with our listeners. And I know uh, there's going to be a lot of coaches that are going to get a lot of really, really good things out of the podcast here tonight. So uh, if you could just hold the line a second, got to wrap up with a couple of things here and, and we'll call it an evening. Um, All right. Thank you. Um, of course, we want to thank Cossack Chiropractic, our, our major sponsor. Again, if you're ever in Omaha, uh, next time you come to Creighton Camp, Coach, and if you sleep poorly on, on one of the beds, you could go to Cossack Chiropractic. Uh, give them a call at 402-964-0300. Uh, again, so, uh, look to subscribe to Uh Go to ttubes.com backslash A-P-A-A-N. That's a pen and a napkin. 14-day free trial, risk-free. Give Coach Collins a chance there. Again, follow us on Twitter. A pen and a napkin is the Twitter handle. Download, rate, and review the podcast. Uh, we're on iTunes or SoundCloud, so give us five stars so we can work, uh, move up in the rankings. And then, of course, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. My name is Marty Plum. This has been Scott DeYoung, the head girls basketball coach at Ankeny Centennial High School in Ankeny, Iowa. Coaches, as always, let's pray for peace, let's stay safe, and let's be sure to hone our craft one day at a time.